Welcome back, everybody, and thank you again for tuning in. We have some new things coming your way, but for now, be sure to find us on all social media platforms. We're on Twitter during matches and send Premier League updates, too, but we're always down to have a chat with fans all over the globe. We're also on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and run our live shows on Twitch. Click subscribe and join the conversation when we record. And as always, let us know what you think. The beautiful game is for everyone to enjoy, so keep us posted on what you want to hear more of. Now, let's have a beer. Welcome back, everybody. The Hallers Podcast is remote. We don't have COVID. <laughs> we don't have COVID. Um, yeah, no, we're just all in different locations right now. So, What's the mileage we're covering right now, boys? We got Connor in Connecticut. We got Andrew in the great state of New York. Jalen and I are holding down Massachusetts. That's got to be like five, 600 miles, right? Uh, yeah, I would say so. Around there. Yeah. yeah. I would hope. Mass Definitely. has never been more secure. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody worry about a thing. I own, I own Connecticut, at least the the farmland of Connecticut. Yeah. yeah. Got that lockdown. Also just had to endure the like longest awkward pause of probably my entire life waiting for that cue from Andrew. Yeah, I had yeah, to, for they, some reason. Oh, for some reason, when we're on uh, Zoom, we can't hear the intro music, so we kind of just have to wait for Andrew's uh, melodic voice to give us the cue. <laughs> the test, uh, the test screen was pretty, uh, it's pretty efficient before, but um, but we're back. Are never um, more important than when it's just you. You know, you're you're really holding it down there. Appreciate it, appreciate it. But um, we're back. All four of us are back. It's good to be back, and there's plenty of football to talk. But before we talk footy, does anybody want to share what they're drinking tonight? I'll go first. I'll go first. (laughs) It might might knock you off your seat with how original it is, Um, but it is a honey brown. And that's literally all the label says is honey brown. 12 fluid ounces product of the USA. (laughs) And it's, it's all, it's all my grandfather drinks and I'm currently at my grandparents' house. So that's what it's going to be. I mean, it doesn't, it's a nice light beer. It's kind of sweet for a beer, like brewed with honey, real honey. That's, it says on that's the coming from here. the guy that's had a blueberry muffin flavored sour. So <laughs> it's like, that's really saying something. But, you know, you I know, might have to get a case for the summer. Yeah, I'm a, they're down in the basement. I was on the first floor. Um going to record from there, but they have the TV volume up pretty loud. So I was like, you know, just for background noise purposes i'll probably I mean, go for the farmland and like for the farmland and the typical grandparent stereotype their wi-fi is pretty good it is good no they're they're on the wave well i'm in southington now which is a bigger city so but they they got they just got an iphone like they're, they're going through their paces and they're with it tristan what do you what are you drinking ever, tristan i don't think anybody's ever referred to southington as a city that's sort of a <laughs> like fair <laughs> buildings and then an airport uh i am drinking public garden uh, which is an ipa from trillium brewing company trying to really make a push for these ipas this summer i know it's like this the season of sours but that's always my season so 
Trillium, thank you for the always delicious IPA. Hopefully the first of many. I got to try one of those. Yeah, they're they're very good. Is anybody, are you, Andrew or Jalen, are you guys drinking? No, I don't have any beer. I, I didn't get to go to the beer. Uh, I'm drinking water. Store. I was drinking earlier when I was cooking, but I took tonight. <laughs> down. water, dude. Is it, is it tap? Oh, my water? Of course, yeah. man. I'm, I'm trying to boost that immune system. You know? <laughs> That's why I've been taking the train. I'm trying to get sick so that my immune system can slowly crawl back to where it once was. <laughs> yeah, I felt, like a sardine. I felt like a sardine in the train today. It was magical. One of these days we're going to contract. If only it's inevitable. Um, hey, Connor, please take it away. You did the math for us this week. Tell me. Yes. Picks. So we're back full-fledged with picks. And last week we came out hot. I mean, the numbers were high this week, not so much. And I'm going to start from the bottom. So Andrew and I were nodded at the bottom with five, with five I love of that. these. I love that. Um, so well down from last week, Tristan, you and I were on the top last week. Jalen, I told you I was right. going to give you an earful. You were dead last last week. So knock the chip off your shoulder, but. Andrew and I dead last with five. Tristan, a mighty six right in the mid-table. And then Jalen comes through with ten. Just I would have to presume out of his ass. I don't know where that came from. Let's go. This is what y'all get for talking shit. What? (laughs) Two scores. Because there was a lot of games that we picked wrong this week. Um, He had a draw. Oh, he had the Liverpool 1-1 draw. I'm pretty sure. Uh. And then I think he had the yeah. I think he had the Brighton four nil win too. <laughs> yes, I remember <laughs> no. that. Uh, I, I don't remember picking that. I don't remember his other one, but either way, no, there's no way I had Brighton four nil. <laughs> no, I think it was. Uh, that was a joke, Jalen. Was... <laughs> That's a. <laughs> that was a joke, like, oh shit! Did I? Oh my god! I'm a genius. <laughs> <laughs> Did I have no idea which the other one. It might have been West Ham or it might have been Arsenal Leeds. I'm not sure. Jay, when you win, you win. I gotta gotta give it to you there, man. There's no But when I but when I lose, let me tell you, I lose terribly. But we'll see. If Leeds stay up, that's good mojo for you, honestly. And then well, who knows though without what Everton are playing, but uh, the transfer market got off to a pretty hot start. Some massively seismic news coming out of the Etihad today uh, as a rather large announcement was made. Erling Holland going for 68 mil, which is a pretty damn good deal, I might add. Um, I'm not sure how long the deal was for, but either way, they got their striker, and that is just it's just huge. Yeah, no, and um, to, uh, to give more context to the transfer itself, um, the official statement, Manchester City can confirm that we have reached an agreement in principle with Borussia Dortmund for transfer, the transfer of Erling Holland to the club on the 1st of July. So um, the agreement is done. It's not 100% finalized, but we can all say safely um, that it's most likely going to be done. And it makes, it's a personality for City, a different type of personality. I think they've never really had someone like Holland before. And it's a Zlatan-esque personality for the the Premier League, I think, overall. So it's going to be very interesting to see him adjust to the Premier League. I think he'll, I mean, he 100% has the physicality to be a 20-plus goal uh, person a season, challenging the likes of uh, Salah and Kane for the golden boot. But um, no, just, it's 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 a, it's an unfair signing just because how, how good City are without a number nine, a true number nine. So it's, 
and to get um, on the on the contract itself, uh, this is from Fabrizio. They will pay a total of sixty million euros, um, which is the release cause for um, Erling Holland. His salary will be worth three hundred seventy-five thousand pounds a week, same level Holy as the Bruin, and the medical has already been completed. So, yeah, that, that is, is that is insane. He's on par getting paid with their probably their best player in De Bruyne. So <sighs> exciting news the and release, the release clauses are so weird. I mean, like they're just like Werner's. Werner, Werner's was activated by Chelsea two years ago, and it was only like fifty million. I'm pretty sure at a time yeah. when he was when he was scoring a buttload of goals. So yeah. I think like there's obviously so much good to pull from Holland's game. A lot of it we've we've covered in the past on past episodes. Right away, I was like, let me see if there's any skepticism that I can throw at the wall that'll stick here, just because that's what's fun to do. Because I recall a, a pretty inconspicuous signing by the name of Jack Realish not blowing over as well as everyone had thought it would, and he went for a lot more money too. So. Yes, I'm aware that they're not the same position. Yes, I'm aware that that uh, Holland has had more guaranteed success in different leagues. I think he will have a lot of success. I'm not one of these people, but do you think that there's any skeptics out there? And do you think that maybe any of them have like a point as to this signing might might be causing some trouble? Anything oh, I'm like super that? skeptical. I'm super skeptical because he has oh, terrible. He has he has a terrible muscular injury uh, history. If you look at it, like his, he has, he's missed almost, he's missed a good, he's missed almost 60 days or two months off like hamstring injuries alone and like hip flexor stuff. So I think if he can keep healthy, he'd be dominant. But I think it's a big, like, that's one of the main things that come with him. Like, in Bombay, <clears throat> doesn't have any like known, like, problems like that like muscular or like ankle or anything weird like that like certain players just have certain things and his is like he can't stay healthy like he didn't he did not play that many games for Dortmund this season I don't think I don't think he was a regular all the time yeah I think I think that's a very good point in the fact that there is some injury troubles but I feel like at City with the sake of rotation and just their depth that that might dampen out uh, the concern for injury, but me personally, I'm not a huge skeptic of, I guess, the transfer because I think it is going to just pan out for City. It seems to a lot of the time, um, but I'm more worried about style of play. I think we saw Timo obviously jump um, loads of goals in the Bundesliga and then jump to Chelsea, just couldn't, f- still has yet to find um, any sort of like goal scoring form. Um, And then just the style that city have adopted without a number nine, I think, and have thought that they're more dangerous playing without a number nine, because they're not one dimensional. They don't play that traditional high striker. They can attack from any angle um, and they do score loads of goals. And if you look at kind of how Lukaku fit into Chelsea's side, Lukaku in a traditional number nine can score a boatload of goals as he did in Italy. Um, But Tuchel wasn't willing to adopt that play style just to fit his striking capability, Lukaku's striking capabilities. And I find it hard to believe like Pep is very personal with his players. And I think he's going to allow Holland to transform, but I, it might not be in the sense of what we're used to seeing Holland do. It's going to, take some adapting because I don't see city completely changing how they play just because of this young talent coming aboard. 
I mean, um, Zlatan didn't uh, Zlatan didn't thrive, didn't uh, thrive under Pep. I know Tristan made that comparison earlier, or Andrew did. Um, but yeah, Zlatan, Zlatan and Pep had a terrible relationship. Could be the same thing. Also, I'm not. I don't think Holland's a, a lazy player at all. But City have a style that every player needs to be fit, needs to be pressing always, and they play high demand um, physical football. Like just when it comes to endurance and like Jalen's mentioning with hamstring injuries if he's asked to press constantly and asked to be another person in defense when they need him can he if he's always running is he is he going to tear another hamstring injury is he going to come up with something else that going for a challenge you know strikers aren't the best tackler so I mean hurt himself Um, so there's definitely a lot of potential what ifs but I think at the end of the day Pep's going to adapt to what Holland can do and he's a smart manager. And I don't think I've ever seen Pep with a player have a problem with a player at City other than Leroy Sané, and that was only for like a season. So obviously he had moments with, with Zlatan when he was younger, but I think this Pep is definitely different, a different Pep, more personable. And Holland, I think, is definitely worships the hell out of him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think style of play is, is the strongest point uh, you guys bring up. Obviously there's like a physical barrier. He'll be asked to do a lot. And like Jalen said, he does sort of come with a, with a backpack full of maybe albeit minor. I know there was a major one this year, but minor injuries. So that could be a huge thing. But I mean, uh, Andrew, it was you that brought up Lukaku. I mean, oh, it was I Connor. Think, it was Connor. Sorry. Connor brought up Lukaku. Yeah. Um, I think Holland's a much more adaptable player than Lukaku is, but we did see problems with Lukaku at Chelsea and Holland is obviously a guy who's going to demand the ball and demand scoring goals. He demands that of himself. He demands eyes on him. I think he Dortmund very much plays through him. There's a lot of creative people in the midfield and one to 11 in general, which is I think a similarity that they have with city. But I think the style of play thing is to me the most intriguing part of it all. Cause I, I think he'll get the goals for sure, but will he be getting them at a rate that he wants to? Will he at at full whistle at full time be like, well, was this game enough about me? Honestly, not not so much in a selfish way, but the way a striker looks at the game, like, could this game have been filtered through me a little bit more? Uh, am am I not getting found out on passes? Are we not using this this system correctly? So that's really it. I feel like he and Pep will get on thick as thieves, like that's bad for the league if that is true and bad for everybody besides city. But part of me is like, I don't want to see him go and, and rot and shit like Lukaku does. You know, I didn't, yeah. I'm not a Lukaku fan, but I don't like seeing him go to Chelsea in that situation become miserable, you know, in like a funny way. I'd, I'd like to see it work a lot more, even though I'm not a Chelsea fan, I'm not a city fan either, but I think it'll work out really well. I think we all think that. I think the final question I'd pose for move on is, what's the over-under on goals he gets or on his first season? Are we going plus 20 or are we going under 20? Well, okay, I'll let me lower that because that's actually kind of a lot. 15. <laughs> I say plus 15. Uh, in prem? In the prem? In prem. In I was going to say 15. I was going to say 15. Yeah, I, was, I would say 15. I don't, I don't think. <sighs> I think he's yeah, getting over 15 I, goals next season. No, no, I'll say over. I'll say over. That meant I'm going to say on. under. Because I, I mean, I don't know. I'm also kind of another worry in the back of my head is like, one, I've been sit up, fed up with City for quite some time, obviously, just because of how they do business and how they win everything in that sense. But they also signed Julian Alvarez in the January transfer window. And Jalen was um, going on about just how 
higher quality of player he is. Um, yes, he was bought for a lot less. I think the fee like averaged out to be like 21 million or something like that, but he's a highly rated striker. He's 22 years old. And like, how is city going to balance this? Are they just going to sacrifice one player's career for another? Is it going to be a sense of they're actually going to battle it out? Or are they going to just give the nod to Holland because he's the more star studded player? Like is Alvarez going to even get a chance, but if it is a level playing field, there's a chance that if Holland picks up a couple of knocks, Alvarez is in form. He could miss, he could be second on the block for um, the striking role at city. So and I mean, I would love to hear what you guys think about how your just general emotions around Alvarez as well. Like, do you feel for the guy? Is it just how football business is? But I think I'm that's... hoping that Alvarez shines through a bit too, just because I like to see South American players thrive and they're high quality and they don't get as much publicity. Um, so if he can find success, maybe it knocks Holland off off his mountaintop at the moment. I think. I think that's what you expect when you just go to City because look at all their look at their midfield, it's 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 ravaged with talent and and playing time sacrifice for the other player. So I don't think it will be. A, I think Pep will figure out how to work both players in and a rotation. If there is injuries to come for Holland, then they'll have you have a striker and Alvarez. And think about it, City haven't had an actual number nine in what two two seasons or no a season two. They, Seasons and I mean, yeah, Gabriel, I, I would say it was it's two. Aguero was injured, injured majority, time. yeah, and like Jesus, yeah, like you said, Jesus was like injured, so and it well, not like, injured, sorry, playing on the wing. Like, sorry, Jesus is on a lot of other clubs' transfer lists. I know Arsenal have been smelling around for him for like pretty seriously for a while now, and that's kind of looking more and more likely, especially because Arsenal need a striker. And Gabriel Jesus is now probably much less invested in staying in Manchester than he was before. I mean, he probably had to know that they were going to do something like mm. this. This didn't come as a shock to him exactly, but I don't know. I, I think in terms of the over-under thing, I'd go over. I think 15 is definitely uh, in the Premier League doable for him, especially if he takes their penalties, which I would imagine that he would. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, it's it's definitely no matter what happens, it's going to shake a lot of waves and it's going to make a lot of noise constantly next season, like again, regardless of whether or not the success comes. But Right. Good for the league. That's the yeah. I don't think they're. I feel like their depth isn't going to be what people are saying it is by next season either. I think a lot of. I feel like I personally feel like a lot of players are going to leave, or at least like a few key ones. Like I don't think Bernard, Bernardo Silva is going to be there. That would um, be huge. They have like four players like on one year, and it's unless unless I'm, that they'll get offers. Yeah, unless I'm like missing like an Sterling's sign. Fernandinho's out. I know he's not a forward, but he's a midfielder, yeah. so he's officially yeah, out after the season. Like I could also like if Mares wanted to, I could definitely also see him leaving. Like I don't know. Like I just feel like their squad death is so like is always talked about, but I feel like it could change at any moment. Yeah, I I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Like like you said, and that's going to be very. If we see a whole different city side and maybe a, a different type of Grealish who gets more, he gets on the ball more because he there's less of the types of players that's, that he is around him. So like he's able to be a, more of a star man in the midfield. That could boost his his um his confidence and his ability to to be an impact player more often. Looking ahead right now, my way too early prediction would would be for them to win the league again next season. Like, I, let me let me say, I was the one who brought up, like, this 
skepticism, which again, I want to just emphasize, I was posing for conversation. I'm like shit scared right now. Like the, I saw the news today and I was like, well, that's, that's probably the league again next year for them. I would say most likely Liverpool will get, we'll get to them are, are still, I think the toughest team to beat in one game in the world still, but in terms of teams that can, that can just simply open the floodgate of goals and <laughs> offense and just Everything that comes with a scary offense, it's it's still City, especially more so now. But a team trying to join that conversation is Aston Villa, looking to get some permanent business done. Connor, I know this one's near and dear to your heart. What are your oh, thoughts? Yeah. On yeah, so, I mean, they're looking to make Coutinho permanent. I think Gerard Moreno. Um, Gerard, Gerard Romero. It's... Gerard Romero. Oh, Romero. Wrong uh First letter. There. Is it Romero? I thought it was Moreno. It's Moreno, dude. No, it's Romero. There, it's this. It's the no, same name. No, it's what? is it? I, I thought it was Moreno because it's the same name as that Villarreal. Show. No, it's Gerard Romero. I literally have his Twitter his Twitter page up right now. Oh wow, that's crazy. Oh, I football. Think better. Uh, I have no idea who you're talking about, regardless of the of the last name. Who's this? Was it was it Moreno? Maybe I have. A, no, it's I'm Romero. Hold on, let me find it. You spelled it wrong <laughs> on his Twitter page. Now, I don't know if BR football like sourced him wrong. No, or, it's definitely no, he, no, he is Romero. No, it is Romero. I always read as Moreno though. I did like too. I checked it and then still wrote it down wrong. But I've been do- I've been doing that for years then. Oh yeah, it is. Yeah. Anyways, right. that's not important. But Romero, Either yes, way, yeah. yeah. So I mean, Barcelona, they're cutting their losses with Coutinho, um, and there's supposedly a finalized deal in place to permanently get him to Villa. It's going to be for 21 million US dollars. It's uh, nice to see that as the currency label on it. But $167 lost, bro. $167 million lost. million dollars lost. Uh, That's actually so crazy. And his his wage, the reason that, I mean, Barcelona is obviously just cutting ties is not only the amount of money they spent, how he has never, whether it's never been given a chance at Barcelona or just hasn't been a factor when he's actually there, but they also pay him a 380,000 euros a week wage. You oh, so like, was making like a bandit, bro. He's oh making more gosh. than De Bruyne and what That's Holland is soon to be making. Um, but there's like a former, like there's a former Camp New like hot dog vendor who like had to like lose his license. Cause they were just like, sorry, man, we're cutting back. And he's like, <laughs> wait, 160 million they lost on that guy. Like, I wonder if that had something to do with me losing my job. Anyway, just, Barcelona uh, yeah. did, not, did not get collect any dubs this past year by any means. But no, and I mean, it's good that they're finally like acknowledging it, just cutting losses. Coutinho's happier at Villa. Gerard um, stated to the press that he wants him there. Um, so that. It's good. I mean, it's good to see him back. He's been playing really well, been a factor for them. And I think him staying is also going to allow Villa to bring more probably foreign players aboard into their system um, to because hopefully maybe, find uh, Maybe success. they can complete that Emil Smith Road deal they were shooting for with Arsenal. <laughs> Last summer. Yeah, that's hilarious. Oh, wouldn't that be something? I mean, he's not but... getting much playing time these days, so. We find who we want. We're a big club. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's why um that's why Byron didn't want him when he was on that loan deal there. They were just like wage. Like 
yeah, the president was like, honestly, we love him and like he's a good player, but he's just way too expensive. Like we can't like he would just me- he would mess up the wage structure we have with like our team. Yeah, definitely. Like the thing with Coutinho too is this whole wage thing has followed him everywhere where that's been a huge problem, right? Where it's like nobody can afford to pay him. And with all and that's true, but with all that said, I think one of the great stories of the Premier League was this season was Coutinho taking like a pay cut to go to Villa. I know it was only on loan for the year, but still like I think for a guy who's been followed by like kind of this huge money question mark of yeah, but can we pay him? And furthermore, will he be worth what we are paying? And we don't really have much bargaining power against him. But I think with that said, like it is for me, at least it was nice that he did take even like a moment, a momentary like pay cut with everything. And clearly he's happy enough to where it's looking like this could be permanent. I mean, it's, it's, if he didn't do this, I think it would be stupid. I think it would be moronic to try and do anything else. This is sort of like a great situation slapping him in the face, but I mean, it's good. It seems like it's good for everybody to be, to be quite yeah. honest. Win-win all around for sure. So yeah, Ronald, Ronald Coleman will do that too. Yeah. Yeah. Or Seriously. For may, you, may, may you want to cut, <laughs> cut your wage down in half <laughs> <laughs> just to get out of there. Does he have a job? Is he, like, is he coaching anybody right now? No. I don't think so, right? If, Unless Everton wants him back. back. Is there a chance he might go back to the Netherlands or no? I don't think so. I saw they were gonna. I thought they were gonna sign the anyways, but I thought they were gonna get the board back. But um, that would also be a bad decision. <laughs> no, not the board. Van Gaal, sorry. Oh yeah, he uh, no, he's. I mean, he just had the cancer treatment, but I think he's, I think he's doing better now, which is good. He's good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, that uh, takes us in. Next. Yeah, I mean, what was so the Sadio? I don't know, Connor, if you wanted to mention Sadio at all. That is a good segue into today's game, but I, how much? Yeah. This is uh, so. This the other ones have been more obviously reported on credited sources and Confirmed. such. But um, the Sadio Mane is just the rumor mill pumping, and supposedly Bayern Munich have listed Sadio as their main target for the summer. Um, and I mean, it's kind of gut wrenching as a Liverpool fan. You do have to understand that the. Glory Day's front three of Bobby, Salah, and him um, are destined to come to an end at some point. But you see what Sadio is doing late this season, and you're just like, there is no way we can afford to lose Sadio. Um, what he d- has done for Senegal, won AFCON, t- took him to the World Cup. Um, and then, obviously, today he goes and gets the game winner, and he's scoring. Salah hasn't really scored at all much lately and Sadio has been carrying the entire load along with Louis Diaz. So it's scary times. Sadio was very humble as always in his post-match presser after grabbing the goal. He was actually sitting there. I watched the, it was him and Henderson and um, Henderson was talking and Sadio was just like in his own world. And he's looking over the um, reporter's shoulders trying and he's watching his goal um on the screen behind him which was funny they all got a laugh out of it and then he just continued to say because it was well worded and respectful from um the sky reporter just not asking him directly about all the speculation but just kind of hinting at it in a respectful manner but Sadio stated that like um he's extremely happy where he is at Liverpool right now and he 
is only focused on the team now helping them achieve and find success because that's what's most important. And then he topped it all off by saying, I'm nothing without my teammates. So completely. Klopp, just, Klopp got to him too. Dude, dude you, I don't even know. You can't even say Klopp got to him because you all know <laughs> Klopp is not that humble and Klopp would not be saying that. So <laughs> yeah, I think the word, I think the word that uses is schmuck. <laughs> <laughs> Nah, that's, that's some Kool Aid shit, dude. I'm sorry, bro. That's that's, that's the, the most Kool Aid thing I've ever heard. Yeah, I don't know. It might be something in the water. Coutinho was the same way uh, when he wanted to exit. He was very cordial about it all until um, the offer. I mean, think about it. If you're but... if you're Mane, like this guy Salah, obviously your friend, like teammate, like probably they probably talk a lot. Like they're both from Africa, and like you beat him. In the AFCON, no one talks about it that much. You beat him to go to the World Cup. Like, you get, like, one day of Instagram posts, no one really talks about it. But people are always like, Salah, this, Salah, that. Like, you're definitely, like, sitting there, like, like where, like, like you don't need the attention. Like, Sadio doesn't need the attention. He gets paid millions of dollars. That's, like, probably, like, the last thing he needs. But it's, like, why am I not, like, in these conversations? Yeah. Like, it's, it's definitely somewhere in his mind, I no think- matter how humble it is. I think for Sadio, it's less even that because of his roots and everything with how he approaches career. But I think that he does understand that at Bayern, he is more likely to win multiple trophies in a season. And I think that's what it comes down to for him is going to be the success. And with City bolstering their roster, league titles not looking likely for Liverpool, even with with stringing together some of the best seasons we've seen ever in the Premier League. Um, So I think that's kind of what might be churning in the back of his head is trophies 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 along with his own personal success but he he has the luxury to sit back with his arms folded smile not disclose much because he knows he's in the perfect decision to kind of call the shots i think i agree he's it liverpool is one of those clubs and i feel the same way about city and probably real madrid and that's where my personal list would end of teams where if guys are unhappy and they want to go somewhere else it should not be because they think they're going to win more trophies because they won't win more trophies than any other club. Unfortunately, I think right now there's three clubs you can go to. Well, I guess four with Bayern Munich that are like, would be a champions league final contender. And you can be sure that each year, Liverpool city, Madrid, Bayern. I mean, maybe there's a few other ones you could throw in there, but like, again, if you're looking for a place that you are, you know, you're going to be in a, a triple a race for the triple every season a move is something that players should think really, really carefully about. Like I, 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 I don't think Mane would be unhappy at Bayern Munich, but it's not the same as Liverpool, I think in ways that we all know because we watch premier league and maybe we're biased to it, but I don't know. I just think pl- mostly with city Two players thinking like, ah, champions league didn't work out this year. Maybe I'll go somewhere else and win it. But the thing is you're not more likely to win it anywhere else than, than city, even with this whole weird funk that Torre put on them. But yeah, I don't know. That's that's sort of where I landed with players. <laughs> but with that segue, we slide right into games. Biggest one of the weekend, Liverpool-Tottenham. To be quite frank, I've been looking forward to talking about it all week. But I'd prefer to hear what the resident Liverpool fan thinks about it, I guess, before I open my mouth. And also, make sure you give your two cents about the Klopp comments, because I do want to talk about those, too. He's such an this ass. Is- He's such an ass. <laughs> I mean... Uh, the comments right away. I I don't know why managers bring this upon themselves. Pep did the same thing 
um, against Atletico. So, and I didn't hear any of you three being like, oh, that's an <laughs> asshole. This guy's a fucking jerk. We haven't gotten like, I mean, I, mean I, I actually agree. I agreed with Klopp with what he said, and I think it's something that needed to be said. But anyway. I, also, I also think he handled the, uh, he handled like what happened afterwards when Pep talked about Liverpool. Like when he talked about like, it's all emotion. Like it's emotional. Well, yeah, be, so be specific with the quote. So, Jalen, what do you mean? What what did Klaus specifically say or Pep specifically say that you agreed or disagreed with? I, I agreed that uh, Spurs wasn't looking to win after they, it was strong. Oh, fuck I, you, dude. I, that's what – that's <laughs> – no offense, but I – yeah. And I, I personally don't like that football. It's different – like the Atletico one – that one's a little different because he Klopp was like because like Spurs was playing good football like Spurs was playing football like Atletico Pep was like that's not football like that was like I don't know what that was like there was people behind people like there was a there was lines behind lines and he's just like what are we supposed to do Klopp was just like yeah they played but then once it drew they just stopped kind of like they just didn't want us to win like it wasn't like they wanted to win they just didn't want us to win. With, which is fine, but like, it's dumb. Like, I don't like football like that. Okay, right. So, so I guess I don't know. Just to steer it back in, Connor. Like, give your assessment of the game, and then we can we can talk about all the the quotes after. I know that's the more juicy. Thing. Yeah. What did you actually think about the ninety minutes that you were watching? I mean, I was going into the game. I was extremely nervous because Liverpool has been playing in always higher back line like it's always just they're pulling their line pulling their line obviously spurs deadly on the counter i knew they were going to get chances in behind and it was going to kind of come down to how clinical they were on the counter luckily they probably weren't as clinical as they could have been on the day and i think um, that just comes with the play style but liverpool i didn't get to watch the whole game um i was actually putting in a patio so i was just listening to it but um struggled to break down Spurs at times, but also had some chances that I thought we could probably put away. Obviously Virgil was a big factor on set pieces. He hit the bar, but then it was kind of like leveled out by Hoiberg hitting the post. So it, it was, I guess the game exactly is how I expected it. And I am not shocked by a draw. Um, and Conte has, Tottenham pegged differently um and when it comes down to it moving kind of back into Klopp's statements of just like that's kind of like why we're competing for the league and that's why Tottenham sit fifth I think that is something that is as much as it might hurt to hear I think there is something in that like if if Spurs want to seriously become a team team that chases titles and um is like a constant factor in top four and then in your european competitions there is a bit of like yes they can play that counter-attacking style but they need to be a bit braver in just how they approach it if they want to do it consistently because like they haven't had had that in so long like since potch in my opinion because i mean the last two managers they had pretty much play the same style as Conte. yeah but Mm -hmm. i don't think the comments are warranted like where is klopp who and what right is klopp to say that because this is Conte style football. It's not perfect yet because it's not a complete system. It's not a complete team of his, and he's right. he's had success with it. He's won a Premier League title with it. He's won an FA Cup. He's won a Serie A. So like, it's I just didn't like that he had to 
to throw a dig at a situation because he was obviously grumpy. And yes, Pep did the same thing. And it's like, it's unwarranted to just criticize another successful manager's tactics because you're upset that you're losing and you're falling out of the title race. It just shows a little bit of lack of class. And he did fall back on his comments. He did talk about them. He did defend them, which I, I do understand. Like I get in the moment he's heated and like, and th- that happens with managers, and it's good to see. It's kind of it's it is kind of good to see when managers go to he- go head to head because Sir Alex and and Arsene Wenger did it, Arsene Wenger and Marino did it. But it's just like it was a little classless for me. I don't know. I just think that like he was just classless. Is you're putting a bold <laughs> face. You would never call Pep's comments classless. And so like to I, th- I think I think it, when Pep complains about Atletico Madrid, yes, it's you I, didn't say that then. You're just saying that now because we because we, we talk about the Premier League. We're not talking about Champions League football. Like I don't know, like. It doesn't matter that I'm, I, I I missed it with Pep, but I think it's classes. And yeah, I have more of a target on Klopp because I think he does stuff oh, yeah, like that. Oh yeah, missed the quarterfinal two legs of football that Manchester City played. But no, but you you have you have you have to like. I think it's classes because Conte's successful manager. He's very successful. Do you think Spurs can sit in and rely on those tactics to win a title? Well, that like, defensive. Leicester that Leicester City did it four years ago, yes, five years ago. Five thousand one to odds, dude. It doesn't. Oh, it it still happens. Spurs Le- football. Sp- that is Sp- not how Spurs, Spurs have has traditionally played. But look, we not. It's, it's not. It's not. It's not how they're traditionally played. But it's a different manager, so it's going to change. Liverpool, like you're act like I. I get there's there's history and um there's roots and style of football with clubs but if you're if you're past yeah, but the, they didn't play they didn't play that way against city like city has, has the same pedestal as liverpool and liver and spurs was playing mad attacking that game no i and, and they won what i'm saying is my back to what my first original statement was it's not a complete system it's not a complete squad of of Conte where he feels comfortable enough to play it was the same system against City. Yeah, but it's not they the same. Twice but and they it, beat him twice. It is, but I'm saying like, it's not going to be a hundred percent every time. It's not going to look pretty every time, but I think Conte can get to a point with the right investment in the squad to where it is. And you can't make that. I see you on your camera. You're like, I don't know. You're, you're doubting my, my response. Yeah, but like, he went and chased the con- game against city. Con- and they won Conte, twice. Conte has had success in Syria and Italy. With Italy a, is completely different. It we're doesn't matter. Saying, he's we're one. Not of, saying it, we're, you just we're not said saying it yourself. Not, this is the Premier we're not League. Saying he's not and successful. Now you're comparing it to Italy. But I'm saying that's my that's my point against Klopp is that him coming out like that is is disrespectful to Conte and the way he sets up because he sets up to win games and yeah maybe he didn't set up to win on the day and it, it didn't get go in his favor and City obviously was a different game for him but I think. But it's it, not about favor. Like the thing he's saying is that he didn't try. Like there was no effort, there was no effort at all for them to even attempt. Like it's not like their system wasn't working. They physically weren't doing the system. Like they literally they sat five and five. Kane was at the top of the half circle. Yeah, I know. And I'm saying, but I'm saying it's not going to be perfect every time. And yes, he's going to set up differently. He's going to take this game with more risk because he wants top four. Then that he, he does take any risks. From like, listen, from like a, he from doesn't. Like a he doesn't want to take. It's what I said. He doesn't want to take any he needs risks. Three points to get to top four. He should take a risk in the game. No, 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 no. That see, I don't agree with that. No. Like, so here's from a Tottenham standpoint. Here's one. What I thought about Klopp's comments was, anytime a manager acts like they're fucking new to this, I know that there's frustration, and you're just pissed you didn't get the result. I don't want to make this more complicated than it needs to be. Klopp's pissed because City got three points this week and Liverpool didn't. That's the end of it. He had to go get behind a microphone and get asked by journalists a dumb <laughs> fucking question that he was like, what do you, uh, why do you think I think I feel right now? Like he, anytime a manager says, Oh, you know, me personally, I don't like the style they play. You play Burnley two times a season. 
Southampton can really pack it in at times. I recall Palace at times can pack it in. Do not act like you're new to packing it in in order to get a point out of the game. You're, he's absolutely right. Tottenham cannot aspire to win the league if when they play teams like Liverpool, the best case for them is getting a point out of it. Conte's not had a full season. You're right. That's how you, Conte can't win the league in two games. Mathematically, literally, we cannot win the league in the last two games we have. So I fully think Conte knew that. I think he was thinking as soon as that bullshit deflection went in, and I'm not knocking Liverpool because I'll get to the game in a second, but as soon as that game time goal happened, he was like, I'm, I just cannot expect to win out of this. I would still like another window to put players that can help me expect to win out of it. But yeah, the, like, I, I think Martin Tyler was calling the game. He was like, I mean, you have to think Conte now is just going to be thinking, let me get a point out of this. I was thinking it when I saw the goal go in. We don't really have the press. We don't really have the intensity 90 minutes to, to get all three points. Maybe we will next season. That's the goal after the summer window. But that's where I was like, Klopp, come on, buddy. Like, you got two games left. Keep it together. You're not new to this. You knew exa- you knew exactly how this game was going to go after 1-1. So, like, do not act new. In terms of the actual game, I've, like, it's been a long time since I've been as proud of, like, a Spurs 11 as I was. Like, I said it before, and I do mean it. I, I think over one game, over one leg, there's not a more difficult club to beat than Liverpool. And I mean, like, take all three points or, like, win the final. I think they're just – they're the best unit gunning right now. So, to get a point from them is is fantastic. And, like, the whole the whole three points thing, like, again, we, we were never going to get that. From a game plan, it's like we would have needed to play absolutely perfect to get all three. Every Not only would we needed to play perfect, things would have had to have gone perfectly. No shitty bounces, no deflections. There was a bad deflection. There was nothing we could do about it. So from where I'm standing, and it's with two games left and fighting for fourth place, I'm like happy as a clam to be even taking one point because of how good Liverpool is, how much better they are than Spurs, and for how well we played. I mean – Say what you want, Klopp. At least our goal was well worked. At least we had build up. At least we pressed. We had intensity. There was it was beautiful passing, and we actually scored a goal as opposed to like Luis Diaz was a massive issue all day. But you can't tell me that the ball went where he was shooting it. Like Klopp, bro, you want off a deflection? Like let me be pissed. I didn't get all three points from this game, man. If if it weren't for a crap deflection, we would have gotten all three. Conte could have said that, but he didn't. So. Yeah, like the rest of the pod besides Connor, Klopp really fucking gets under my skin like no other manager. <laughs> I don't. I, I, I don't. It's the veneer. No, I was, like, I don't mind him, but I mean, I personally think that Pep. And one thing Klopp did say, and obviously, it like it doesn't like change the fact that he said it, but he was like, "That's just me. Like, I don't like that football." And I bet a thousand percent. That when Pep lost those two games to Spurs, he was thinking, I mean, yeah, the Spurs, he was thinking the exact same thing. Because the possession was crazy, obviously, but that's the play style. Same thing with Mourinho. Uh, what's his name? Uh, the Wolves coach, obviously, he did it terribly. Oh, uh, Nuno. Yeah, he, they, it didn't work out for him at Spurs. But, like, they play that counterattacking style. And that's not Klopp. That's not Pep. And he said that. He's like, I don't like football like that. Like, I think, I don't think it's, I don't think it's proper football. Like obviously Liverpool plays a high ass line and like always on top of you. So I didn't hold that against him. I mean, he said it. I don't think, I think coaches should be allowed or managers should be allowed to vocalize. And obviously like Andrew said, like he and you and Tristan said, like he was just pissed that he lost and like city won or not lost that he only got one point. 
but I mean, I don't think he should be faulted for voicing yeah, that. And I don't think he, fine. and I don't, and I, yeah. And I don't, uh, I, I, he definitely knows that Conte's a, a good, a good yeah. manager. I mean, he came to the league before with Chelsea did that exact same thing and won, but he's just saying like, that yeah, he's pissed in the moment. He's pissed in the moment. Yeah. And I, I think and I don't, I don't take issue with him being pissed in the moment. I take issue with people slandering to the point of classless. It's a little classless. It's, like, it's a little classless. It is not. It's a little classless. You, you literally play it's, like a, a set style of football all season. You have to come up against this all season. It's okay to like blow a lid and be frustrated dude, about that. You counter Liverpool Whatever. play Burnley twice a season and they beat them twice a season. I, like if, if you're arguing about a team packing. So he in, cannot like that style of football. Yeah, but like no one wants to hear that, Klopp. Like, just get on with it. Oh my! So I, um, I need to go. I know, if I know but, but people, today, love, but people he love he would Mourinho. say so much shit. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they do. And I think he he definitely has his moments where he does the same shit, and it's like they got it gets annoying. I personally thought Mourinho when he when he starts shitting on other people instead of putting more um, blame on himself, it's he doesn't hold accountability. And when I when he was at United, he did the same thing, and he would talk about his trophies that he'd won, and I'd be like, okay, dude, you're in the you're in the job now. It's not what you won; it's what you're doing at the moment. So I have experience with that in Mourinho and, and Ralph because he's hanging out all the dirty laundry right now. <laughs> I, if you actually listen to the post match conference, you know that he did not do that. Rio is talking out of he his shit ass. Shit on the players last week. No, he did not. Okay, um, he didn't. And he said they're not up to the class and not putting in the effort they need. He did not in the Brighton interview. We'll talk about that when we get not there. this weekend. A week ago, two weeks ago, he said that. Yeah, okay. I, I mean, find the clip. I mean, he's being right. He's right. I mean, uh, yeah. So I mean, also, also, like also Tr- Tristan. I think also the the point of getting the point today or on the weekend, and then that is a huge confidence boost for Arsenal because that's a game they're going to go for it. That's a game that they're going to gun for because it's North London derby. So I think. The point itself is 100%. is a good result for for Spurs, and just you know getting their, getting a fire under their uh, under their ass at the other day. Yeah, I mean, if there's a team you want to play before probably the biggest game of the season, now it's the best team, arguably. You know, like that. There's no team that's going to be as defensively sound and organized, and quite frankly, like impressive as Liverpool have been. So, still nervous. This is shit. Still have absolutely no idea what scoreline I even like. I would even think to pick. I really, I really don't know. It's like form is out the window, obviously in a derby, and they're a big deal. But I, I truly, I'm not sure. I mean, I, even in the, like when we talk about it to end the pod, it's like I'm not even sure what I. It's, it's nerve wracking. But since you do have some United spiciness in your stomach right now, I want to stay on the topic. We don't need to talk about it all that much. This isn't just to shit on you, but. Yeah, your that, team did lose four nothing to Brighton. Yeah. And you haven't been on the microphone since so to Barcelona. I, yeah, 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 to Brighton, Barcelona. <laughs> but yeah, no, the loss itself was an embarrassment, and I've I've stated that on multiple occasions this season. Um, the loss to Everton and and so on, but um, and they all, a lot of it came down to just. I mean, Brighton were playing brilliant football, but then also United just poor defensively and not challenging first balls, not. Um, out of position, it, there looks like there's just a disconnect between the whole back line and Brighton. When bright, we talk about Brighton as like the best team out of the bottom, in the bottom, from out of the top six that plays probably the best style of football, and they play. And by the way, they're in ninth right now. Yeah, so they're left. But could you, you could even say the shittiest of the top half, which would still be a yeah, exactly. And I think, <laughs> <laughs> and I think, um, 
we talked about them and their ability to break teams down and their one touch play and a lot of that one of their goals came off three passes so they took full advantage of united's poor uh cohesive like poor team cohesiveness and ability to defend and scored some absolute like embarrassing goals for like those united defenders like they were they should like I if I was Lindelof and Varane I'd be red in the face cuz they made us look like fools but uh Bruno the, the Bruno stated afterwards he's not fit to wear the badge after fans were chanting um they were chanting that probably towards the end of the match just mentioning how no player deserves to wear the badge and I'm in full agreement with that it's they just seem like they don't care and to Ralph's point of maybe last weekend talking about that it it is it is embarrassing and it is something that they need to be called out on at the end of the day but he did, he did back them in, in this match, and he took full responsibility for how they set up, and that's kind of where the whole situation with Rio comes into play. Um, Rio stated, you're still in the job, man. Relax, have some respect for the people around you. Make ways behind the scenes. Push and pull. Jostle for positions and outcomes behind the scenes with people. Um, he's saying a lot of stuff to almost distance himself from responsibility, but he has it to accept some responsibility that the team has got worse since he's been there. Um, and in this match, this, this was after Brighton, by the way. So... In this match, post-match interview, Ralph saying, like I mentioned, he defends the players. He goes, I'm in training with them. I see what they're doing. This is on me. Uh, I, I can't put all the blame on the players. Um, and he's not looking for excuses. He mentioned that. And when they brought up the board situation, because that's a lot of what Rio was talking about also, is a lot of the situation with the board. I think people need to hear that. Because especially if you're from, if you're a United um, you know, native and you've been supporting the club for this long and you, you see how... Um, corrupt or uh, the shitstorm that the back staff is, someone needs to say it. And I think Rio is just trying to buddy up with his United pals over at, like over at the club. So 100%. I think it's, it, gross. it's it's ridiculous and it's just poor <laughs> like media on his end to just make make that assumption and or not make the assumption, but to just not hear his hear Ralph's point of view and just want like all oh, the dirty laundry's out. Like no, this is something that. People have been asking for, it and it puts those staff members on their on their heels, and change gets made faster with those types of, types of situations. And it's no different than the United fans protesting outside the stadium and wanting for change. Like Ralph is just stating a point, and he wasn't shitting on the board. He literally he just mentioned that we had options for strikers. I brought these options to the board. They said no, and that was it. He talked about it in the post match at Brighton that they only had forty eight hours to make a decision. He's like. We, we there was things that we couldn't foresee that that uh that happened. So at the end of the day, nothing happened, and I can't really you know I, I can't put blame on anybody. It just I told you what happened, and that's it. And so yeah, I think uh, I think it was a little ridiculous on Rio's end to to even bring that up, and I think it's just a buddy up situation with his United pals. They live in the past, like those guys, like Rio, like. Not, I don't, I don't think Keen. I think Keen's a little bit more. He's like an asshole about it, but he's way more realistic. Yeah, I think like Rio, like Rio scolds, like some of the things they say. It's just like that's not like that's not the environment now. Like you're not like you're, you're they're not winning games. They're not like these aren't title winners. Like they haven't won a title in so long. Like the the atmosphere has changed. It's not the United. Like they're always like this is not the United style. Like it's not the same United. Like it's not going to be the same in 10 years. It's not going to be the same in five years. Like they have to get out of this mindset that they're in of like, they think they know what United is when just yeah. because you talk to like 
the backroom consultant or like the backroom, like sporting director that they know what's going on. Like those people are trying to save their asses too. It's like real. You're on, you're on, you're on BBC sport or BT sport or whatever. Like you have probably the one, some of the worst takes on TV. Like, you're on BBC Four and you're literally old man shouting at the sky level crazy. Like, what the, what's the, like, pardon He's my friend. supposed to be talk, in tune. What are you talking about, dude? Yeah. Like, you wore, like, baggy wind pant jeans when you'd go to the club when you played for United. Like, <laughs> the shit is not the same. Like, the league yeah. changes. Ownership changes. Players move. The league naturally will always shift in certain ways. Like, I, I totally get United success being burned into their brain. Like, no, United is a team that wins. The players always play well. It's like, it's just such an immature, crazy thing to think. And actually, where now most of them, like Jalen said, are just kind of ganging up on the current United team, like, wouldn't now be a good time to be like a big, big brother type deal? Like, reach out to some of the players, talk to them about what it was like when you were there and what the badge actually means. Like, I can't. They don't know. They never lost. Like they don't know any of that. Like they legit just don't know how. They don't know what losing feels like. They don't know a bad atmosphere in the in the background. Like they just have no experience. And this all stems from the whole Rio comments. Or he he thinks the board should take Ralph off post match interviews. He's like they should they should get him off. Like he literally stated that. Because because he's voicing download out there or something. It's like what do you? That is just the most like illogical thing to ever. And and that makes the club look so like soft and weak. Like oh no no no, get him away from the podium. Like that that would make things a hundred times like Rio. What the what are you talking about, dude? Like that's crazy. It's it's gone to the point where someone needs to say something, and if it's Ralph who's going to be a consultant, then yes. He's going to be a voice for the club as soon as Eric Ten Hag's in. So it's it's also easy for like from Ralph's perspective. Obviously, he's been he hasn't been there long, um, but it's easy for Rio to say that those battles need to go be fought in like the back rooms, and you need to go to these people and kind of hash things out face to face with them. But it's not. It is not Sir Alex walking in the room where he can say whatever the flying fuck he wants and more than likely get it. Um, it is a manager um, consult slash consultant that's been at a club. He hasn't performed. And then he's going to turn and ask and criticize kind of what's going on. No human is ever going to react well to that situation. So he kind of does need to take a different avenue and how he approaches things in order to initiate change because if he goes and talks to the back room or talks to higher ups or board members whoever it might be what's the likelihood they're going to listen to him they've already spent the money they're spending loads of money on player contracts that aren't performing um the transfer market has obviously been horrible for united and hasn't panned out so it's easy like they probably already see what's going on. Ralph is going to come tell them the issues on top of what's already going on. So what's the likelihood that's going to actually initiate change? I think it's pretty low. So that's probably just also adds to the ignorance of Rio's statements of like, Oh, go talk to like, go have a conversation, whatever it might be. Like it's not Sir Alex walking into the back room and asking for something or saying we should change this. It is someone that's been there for three months, knows how clubs can change, but there's a lot more on the line and because it's United. This is my last point, and we'll move on from this, but um, unless someone else wants to get in, but has Rio not been around for the past like five years? Because 
we've had Mourinho, we've had Van Hal, we've had um, Ole, and they've all had the same issues with the with. The, you don't think they went to the backroom staff and talked to them and had the word with them? You don't think Ralph's done that? Like, it's not oh, like he's uh, talked to him. They, he's talked to them. Like he said that. Like he, the only thing that's different between them is like Mourinho said it four years after. Yeah. Like Ralph is saying, like, yeah, I talked to him last week. They said this. That's that's the way it is. And they get mad about it. Like, oh, there's supposed to be this giant protective shield over like what goes on in there. That's supposed to be like portrayed as a great club and it's just dying on the inside. Like that's worse. Exactly. Like, everyone should know. Like this is like bullshit. So like Rio just acts like. This stuff hasn't happened. Like he acts like Marino probably didn't try and talk to them, or Van Hal didn't try and talk. Like they definitely did, and because they didn't voice their opinion on on the on uh, on a microphone after the game, does it? It's just so dumb. Like it's just a dumb thing on his end to to make it an Maybe issue. Like, it sounds like a joke, but it's not. Uh, okay, Rio, if you want to offer criticism about how United are are going the wrong way. Personally, I think BBC Sports and their coverage of the Premier League has really been going south for a while. I think somebody should talk to the backroom staff at BBC because it seems that uh, these former Hall of Fame players who played for these great clubs seemingly offer fuck all when it comes to their time on air. And all they do is like criticize team owners. And if every single Sunday your point is this United locker room is a mess and the backroom staff, oh, da, da, da. Dude, I've heard this. I've seen the YouTube clips. Congrats on getting tons of clicks on it. And it's so cool you're on cable and you still stayed relevant even after your knees gave out. But like, <laughs> say something else, dude. People are paying for these subscriptions. If Again, if you want to criticize another team's ownership, look inward, man. Like, like you say the same thing every weekend. It's not unique. And you, Rio, should have the most unique viewpoint of United. You're a United great, maybe their best defender that they ever had. Should you not be offering more than just this sort of weird like he's also the guy that uh he's also the guy that told newcastle fans to buy the club when they own the when club. when their ownership was like in the buy dirt the with like actually if you got a problem buy the, buy club. the club and the end cameras that's that's work that day for him that is i mean jesus it's insane we can McDonald's move on from that. I double cheese the other weekend. I think I'm just going to buy McDonald's and then I'll just, and then they won't fuck up my order. I'll fix that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm honestly, I, we need to move on because this real shit. Every time there's a Liverpool slip up or even a Liverpool win, all eyes go to, go to city. Hopefully it evens out more, but man, did city respond this weekend and like kind of like a step on their throat way. Like, Geez, they I don't know what they have against Newcastle, but man oh man, was this a response? Yeah. Leave it to City. I mean, that's just what they do. They had to bounce back, obviously, after midweek and toppling out of the Champions League to Jalen's faithful Real Madrid. But uh, five nil, it's like I don't I feel like this is how thing from a Liverpool fan perspective it is and not to ramble on about that but I feel like this is how things go where it's like we just played Newcastle last week and they battled us tooth and nail and City come out and play them off the pitch 5-0 um I don't I don't have much to say on the game it was just an absolute thrashing I don't I don't know what the possession stats were at one point it was 99 percent to one percent yeah i didn't was that, I didn't, a, was that, that was a joke stat? or not I, yeah. I don't know if that was a joke or not my my brother told me but i was like that seems like unrealistic but you never know it's city it was like the second oh. half like the second half they had one percent like possession. like that's unreal <laughs> uh, i don't know if it could be that and i th- i thought newcastle were going to be the side to 
to give City problems because they're just a team that's like they're oh. in form. And it's going to be. You guys think, you think Newcastle is just like this is where we're going to be? We we were bought. We got players. We're well out of relegation. Let's just guys. Let's just vibe. Let's just finish yeah. Yeah. twelfth, yeah. and then next season we can regroup. But like, I think this is kind of a team that's like we're good. Let's have some fun. Let's drink some Newcastle Brown after the game and celebrate our rich ass owners. And then 2022, 2023, that's our season, baby. But I think that had something to do with it. Still. I mean, pumping five goals past anybody is not a easy feat. So, I mean, oh. they're still scoring. I think the goal differential, isn't it still Connor in, in Liverpool's favor? No, it's not. We're uh, three goals or four goals short. Uh, I think it's four. So we are now behind. We flip-flopped with the five-goal swap. So that's what hurt the most. And it's going to be deja vu. Like, we came out like tooth and nail to get a win against Villa. City is going to go play Villa on the last game of the season, and they'll probably come out and win 5-0, and it'll just be like, all right, why don't I go watch this game? uh, Yeah, the good thing for Newcastle is they got Callum Wilson back. I mean, that's a positive in this just mockery of a football match. But Sterling was huge. I'm – I am forever interested. I have ranked on Sterling many years in the past, but with his lack of use from Pep in big moments, and it, it really does confuse me because, I mean, he offered two goals in this game, and he seems to be able to just come on and flip a switch and contribute to the team when they, whether they need him or not. He always, when he's on the pitch, he does contribute. So seeing him just, like, show up on the weekend – pop two goals in and a five nil just thrashing against Newcastle that just played Liverpool hard last week. It does really make me wonder if Pep should have relied more on Sterling in the champions league moments. Cause I think, I think he's like even more likely to come through than a Grealish. Like, I, I don't know. It's, yeah. it, it is, it is like very interesting to me that when he pops up, he's relevant and scores goals, but he is just very quickly put on the back burner in very big moments. And it seems like he does come through in big moments. So Sterling like knows Sterling knows the system. Like one thing about Grealish that he has to unlearn from Aston Villa, which is sad because that's like who he is, is he has to always have the ball at his feet. He doesn't know how to move without the ball. Like he's not good at it. And Sterling, like we always, not criticized, but we're always like, oh, it's a tap-in, it's a tap-in, but he's yeah. always in the right moment at the right time. He's always so, a like, goal threat. He's always a goal threat, which is – that's what Connor's he's saying. Like, he's reliable. He he just, he's, he's always moving. And it's yeah. just like what – like what – like compared to Grealish and what he offers, obviously he's just a threat with the ball. Like you can't leave him alone. But like – I don't like I – don't, I don't mean this as, a, as a, 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 like a term having to do with age, even though it kind of has that connotation. But like Sterling's one of the grandpas of the team. We're like, regardless yeah, at twenty of, at twenty nine, which is wild. Yeah, true. So yeah. I guess he is kind of a kind of a really grandpa, but like, no, he is. Well, he's been there forever. But like yeah. maybe three or four other players I could name you could put out there that you know are like have the city DNA ingrained in them. I mean, like Sterling's had a good good spell at Liverpool, but his wonder years were definitely at City, and he's somebody now that really will only play that type of football. And again, not that's not a judgment or anything. It's just that's that's what he knows now so i think in the eyes of city fans they'll look at guys like Grealish as like yeah maybe more exciting or like more the ceilings higher creatively but it's like we're still seeing Grealish have a really tough time trying to adapt to this and i don't even know that 
this coming season, I would see like leaps and bounds from him. I'd be kind of surprised if he was able to turn around that much. It's a team that asks a lot of you and only when you've been there a long time and, and Sterling helped develop that whole attitude, that whole moniker at city. Like, so he's going to feel more comfortable with it. So yeah, I think he was definitely underused and these guys with the exception of De Bruyne, who have kind of been there for a while could do a lot more for the club than I think Pep even realizes. And, you know, I recall Gundogan being set out a few lineups and I'm like, man, you know, this, not only was he like a, like a Premier League player of the year candidate last season, like he's just a guy that's been there a long time. He's been there through the best city times and he knows, he knows what it's like to hit that high. So nothing against Pep, but I mean, that's just sort of where I see the whole thing. I kind of side with those guys like Sterling and those guys that have been there a while because they get it. And Sterling yeah, definitely. is hand, handcrafted by Pep. There is not a player, I don't think, in the full city 30-man roster that has transformed more under a Pep Guardiola management style and coaching. So it's just interesting that he doesn't fall back on a guy like that. Um, yeah, definitely. In times, times need the most, but... It's, yeah, tougher so. to, uh, it's tougher to find a, a team with better vibes right now. I know it they're still in thick of it very much so, but man, it warms my soul seeing Everton get all three points. It really does. It it really does make me happy. And this result this weekend was huge for them. I don't hate Leicester, but man, oh man, Everton, like I'm kind of pulling for them to stay up now. Would have been epic to see him go down, but like what a result. We're liking Frank more now too, because he's happy and he's like, well, I don't know about that. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not speaking for Tristan. But yeah. no, it seems like, I mean, you could see him after the match. He went over to the fans and they were chanting and he was just like throwing his arms in the in the air. So um, I think that Chelsea one was was huge for them in this match. Uh, I mean, Leicester definitely, they got one back in, in the game itself, but they were able to crawl back and get another one for, for Everton. So... No, definitely, definitely a great result, and they their momentum's with them right now, in my opinion, and they have that game in hand still. Yeah, and it goes to show that at the bottom of the table, when you need it most, it's you don't rely on skill, you don't rely on tactics, you rely on sheer emotion and will to get across the line. And in the last two performances, Everton has demonstrated and put that to the test and found success doing it. Like the Frank was obviously super hyped up like post-match after the game to all the fans, to all the players just fighting for every inch on the field in order to get those three points. It, it puts them in a position now. I think they sit 16th, 17th? 16th. Yeah. 16th um, with that game in hand. So they went, they went from, yeah, they went from relegation likely to now, what you could call first place in the relegation battle um, and mo- and most likely to stay up. And they've, they've done it off sheer emotion, like just sheer willpower and desire to your willpower. We have given him an understandable amount of flack, but Jordan Pickford has emerged as a patron saint of Merseyside in terms of all things blue. He's had a couple insane performances the Chelsea match, remember, was that the one where he took a ball off the face? I've watched Shoot that. Shoot off the face, and he made the save from inside the net. He, like, yeah, was behind yeah, it. And- yeah. Jordan Pickford died so Everton can live. Like, literally died. <laughs> yes. So, I, he's been somebody who is definitely a goober. I kind of hate seeing him between the sticks for England, but at Merseyside, he's, like, kind of a living legend now, especially if they can stay up now because he's been a 
a huge part of that, no doubt. Do you think it's purely player? Do you think it's purely player? Do you think do you think the players finally started listening to Lampard, or was it just like the looming relegation that they just like, like, like suddenly woke up? Reality finally set in, and they were like, "Oh shit, this is real." I also think it was like, <laughs> they probably saw they probably saw Burnley win three games off the bounce, and they're like, "Why the hell can we not do this?" <laughs> I think I think like Anthony Gordon's a player that maybe has like rejuvenated them a little bit too because he's like an academy player. He probably like I don't know if he has a voice, but I would. I'd love to think that he's like this young gun who has a voice in the locker room because he's an Evertonian. At least, at least by performance, if he's not yeah, saying anything, say, he's, yeah, leading, not he's leading by actions. It could, yeah, yeah it could be. Like he's you been said. their player of the season. Like, yeah, I, I, I agree. By a, I would say a, a mile. He's been by far their lifeline all season. So I think it's a bit of both of like reality setting in, and also maybe Anthony Gordon. I would love to think that Anthony Gordon is having an impact just because he's an Evertonian academy. <laughs> So this this Chelsea team, look, when people were telling me they were going to finish fifth, I was like, okay, that's ridiculous. And I'm a Tottenham fan. So, like, if that's ridiculous coming from me, I think it actually is insane. But their ability to hemorrhage points late in the game this, this late in the season is kind of shocking. And all of a sudden the people thinking that they're going to finish behind Arsenal and Spurs, I still think that's insane. Mathematically, maybe even impossible, but – this is not how you end a campaign for Chelsea. I, I don't know how many lasting effects this will have. And I think once the hardware took itself out of it, minus the FA cup, they're like, let's just work. We got all our eggs in one basket and wolves took it. It was a great game. I mean, yeah. the, the, the whole ownership stuff definitely has taken a toll in my opinion. Like that's a, like they definitely had like the Lukaku thing in the beginning of the uh, second half of the season, but they had COVID I, stuff too. I, I think, yeah, they had massive squad uh, squad depletion. Reese James and Ben Chowell basically being taken, not taken out of the squad, but they weren't there. Chowell's done for the season. And Reese James has the hamstring of uh, Twizzler. So um, uh, they, they definitely had some their fair share of squad stuff. But I, I personally think the ownership and just like the, the chaotic nature of Chelsea in the second half just took a toll. I was going to ask that too. I was going to be like, do you think this the saga affected their overall performances because they now might finish fourth and like Tristan said maybe fifth? I don't. I, I I don't think. I really don't think the ownership thing played as much into it as maybe it seemed. Like, I Dude, mean, they're about to, I about to pay for the bus for them to go to their game. <laughs> for for so many people, besides the players, it's a big deal. Anybody who works a backroom sap job, anybody who like works in ownership. I feel like the players were not like by no means like shielded or protected from this, but obviously everybody associated with the club, no matter what's going on, like when it comes to the players, they're going to think like, we got to make sure the players are still like, let's make sure they're on track. They're focused. Let's make this as normal a season as we possibly can for them. When it's, the people like Rudiger like end up leaving and that's no, again, I, that I frame that like it was a, a slight damage. It wasn't like it just, that's how the money worked out this season. They can't afford to pay people everything that they're owed. So players like Rudiger leaving, that sort of makes it more real. The whole weird shit with Pulisic's dad tweeting whatever he tweeted, which was like a whole weird saga to me. But I think there's a bunch of players maybe looking. What did he tweet? He was it's like Americans. It was Mark. It was I think his name's Mark Pulisic. He actually used to be the uh, the coach of the Rhinos, but he tweeted and then deleted it like thirty seconds later. He was like, 
it's a shame. Like my son gave everything he had for this club, big six months ahead, like it's time to turn it around or whatever. It was very cryptic, very strange. Didn't exactly allude to, to Christian leaving Chelsea, but I think it was you more can't tweet story. anything about that. Like after one second, that shit is screenshotted by maybe twenty five people. Yeah, and he has he must have like over a hundred k followers. Is that so? It's <laughs> like sad. Like someone's gonna follow you on for Chelsea that sees that shit and makes it permanent. So like it was a dumb thing to tweet, but more so, it's like are how many players really at Chelsea are in it for next season? Like that's what I wanted to ask you guys. Like when you look at this Chelsea squad and especially hone in on the players that matter most. Like, do you think this is a team that's, I feel like of all of the big six clubs, they're the closest to disbanding much more so than city more so than Liverpool. Cause there's the whole ownership thing. And it seems like they're going to obviously replace their rich owner with a, a new rich owner, maybe even richer, but I don't know. Rudiger leaving this whole Pulisic thing. It seems like it's not totally stable at Chelsea and the champions league was big, but they kind of forgot about it pretty quickly, and it seems like there's some guys that might be might be shopping around. What do you guys think about? I mean, the whole look, looking at it right now, I mean, Aspilicueta is gone, Ruder is gone, Christensen's gone. I think Pulisic could potentially leave, like a likely candidate. Uh, Lukaku could see easily leaving. Conte's aging. Um, yeah, Conte's aging. Alonso, he's like he gets a lot of playing time, but. He may see Alonso. I I saw Alonso's uh, probably gonna leave too. Yeah, like I'm sorry, go back to Spain. Yeah, I thought he was gonna go back to like one of the league clubs. Kepa maybe Saul's out because he's on loan. Um, Ziyech maybe like, dude. There's you're right. There's a solid like ten players that might be gone. Like that might want and they, look for seen no one link with them either. Yeah, you don't see anyone with the Chelsea. Like yeah. I haven't seen one person like, oh, like I really want to go to Chelsea. Like I haven't seen that one. No, not at like, all. Last, yeah. Like last year, like everyone wanted to go there, and they might and consider even considering they might finish with a trophy in top four. So it's like it's crazy that nobody is even like like you said, like no one's linked to them. But that's also part of the fact that they were going through all those financial. Yeah, they need changes. to get things sorted because yeah, like, right basically now. Be like, Right now, the only thing, the glue is solely Tuchel. That's it. Like right now, until the new, until the club selling is complete, likely by the end of the month. Until then, I don't think you'll see many links. But once that happens, Tuchel's the only thing holding the club together. Like if Tuchel got up and walked out right now, the club would probably fall apart. I, I feel I like that. Know, would... I like, there's but he's like I'm known for that shit. Yeah, true. There's times I question how long Tuchel will be there again. Let me just be clear, not a slight to Tuchel. I just, I don't, Pep is, as people call City a plastic club and like largely financially, there's like, there's meat behind that. But I also feel like Pep is in love with Man City and Man City's in love with Pep. Maybe neither of them articulate that particularly well. That's something a relationship therapist could help them work out. But like, they love each other. They care very deeply. The, the The feeling is reciprocal on both ends. And Tuchel, I like, don't really see that. I think he at and Abramovich all. I don't see that at had, all. Maybe he and Abramovich had as good a companionship or business relationship as Roman Abramovich can have with a Chelsea coach. Maybe that's as good as it ever got. But with that said, like, Roman's out of the picture. I don't – he's been a gulag somewhere. Like, I don't think things are the same at all. And I think Tuchel's like – whoa, it's like kind of a weird vibe here right now. I definitely have funds. We're getting this new rich owner that I'm sure you guys have a lot more information about. But like, I don't know, for me, 
City seems like that club that people bring up, like, oh, are they about to disband? Are these guys about to just cease and desist and disperse? But for me, Chelsea's like, of the of the big six, Chelsea's the closest to me for a drop-off right now based on where the season has ended. But it's just me. No, I think that's, that's well said. Definitely, definitely what, what, so what about the ownership? You guys found – you said you guys had some – some yeah. down and dirty on Chelsea. How do you want to go about this? Do you, would, it's it's happening. It's going to be happening. I don't know. How do you you want to hash this out? I was going to talk about some bright news around like going forward, and then I'll just pick up whatever you don't maybe don't cover. But I have other you, news. You, you guys should both talk. I just have I have the logistic. Yeah, that would work perfect on Zoom. Get everything just out feel, of the way. I don't know how Zoom hasn't gotten better that it doesn't pick up like both audios. It just cuts out one and. Yeah one speed but whatever i have just like the logistics of the sale and okay. numbers stuff like that so if you i can run through like a quick 90 hopefully 90 second breakdown of what that looks like and who the guy is it's connor wall speaking that's probably unlikely but go <laughs> you're on the clock um, connor. so the todd Bowley consortium is the likely suitor for Chelsea and soon to be purchasing. Again, the timeline is hopeful that it will the deal will be done and paperwork signed by the end of the month. Who the guy is, I looked up on Wikipedia. He owns 20% of the Dodgers and he also owns DraftKings. Um, <laughs> shout out Andrew. Um but don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> the sale is going to be for 4.25 billion pounds and it's it's going to be weird how this goes down. So two and a half billion pounds are going to go into a frozen UK bank account where Roman Abramovich gets to pick the charitable donation to be made. So that two and a half billion dollars is going to be donated to a charity, but that donation has to be a Prove going to the, the Russia taking over Ukraine fund, right? No, so that <laughs> that donation has to be approved by the UK government. More than likely, for that reason specifically, that it can't be that Putin is then framed as a victim of the Ukraine crisis and the funds go to them. So it's guessed that those that $2.5 billion will be donated to help support everyone's lives who have been impacted um, due to the Ukraine crisis. Um, So that's kind of how that goes down. And then moving forward, Andrew, I think this is probably what you're going to touch on, but just what the new owners have committed in hopes to revamp the club. Yeah. And to to give more background on, um, consortium who's involved um, Clear Lake Capital Mark Walter CEO and Chief Executive Officer of Guggenheim Partners they're an investment firm um, and he's part chairman of the Dodgers and Hans Jorg Wiss who is a founder and former president and chairman of Synthes Holding AG a medical device manufacturer so um, they're all billionaires and uh, but it, it's good news for Chelsea in terms of financial backing but uh bright news going forward chairman bruce buck and director and chief transfer negotiator marina um i'm gonna butcher this name granov skaya um t- they're touted um they're known for completing transfers like Eden hazard dear drogba and golo Conte, and they're both going oh, to oh yeah she's like she's a killer at chelsea i think w- yeah. when it was national women's day we highlighted her as like oh yeah yeah like, 
She's big hoss over there at Chelsea. She's real shit. If she's at the table, like some shit's about to get done, no doubt. Exactly. So they're staying on, and they uh, the new owners have committed to keep them aboard. They also were the direct, um, they were direct contacts for the selling of the club. So they handled the whole process with the Rain Group, which is a U.S. bank that Roman Abramovich assigned to. Uh, deal with the financials and the transfer over from uh, new ownership. So yeah, they got some. They they have, uh, you know, historic figures at the club that are going to remain there, and they're going to. Um, you see that with a lot of clubs. You see a lot of when when management changes and once things change, a, a lot of the backroom changes. With United, it was even. It was when Sir Alex left. So did their uh, uh, CFO that he left eventually, which led to a lot of Ed Woodward coming and being an issue. But you got to see that with Chelsea. It does not going to happen. It's going to be, um, you know, as business as usual when it comes to the people in power, which is good because they're making football decisions at the end of the day. Yeah. And also revamping the club. Um, Todd Bowley made us, I, th- I think, I don't know if it was him or Chelsea that made a club statement that with the new purchase, there's also 1.75 billion pounds that is going to go into the stadium. So Stamford bridge, um, it's going to go into the Academy, the women's team as, um, well as the women's team's home stadium. So there's going to be a load, a load of funds that is just solely put back into the club, um, due to the whole deal going down. So who knows? I mean, we're skeptical obviously of Chelsea, but uh, imagine their first decision is they. Seven. Imagine their first decision is they sack Tuchel. <laughs> oh my gosh! I'm like, fun. but I'm wondering, like, what, like, what is the coaching market like this summer? Are there a lot of people available? I mean, I, the only people, the only coach I hear constantly is Poch, and that's only because I don't know if PSG is going to fire him or not, or if they've like found somebody better. That seems to be that seems to be the whole situation since he's gotten there. Is you're here till we find somebody that's more successful than you are, but. I don't know. I like, I, I think about this whole Tuchel thing and with the whole ownership, it's very interesting. You guys obviously did a great job doing your research and passion out what's going on. And I think the, a great thing too is so often we talk about the money not going to the right place or the money being there for the wrong reasons. But I think a, a nice thing is that a lot of people talk about how far like the city training camp has, has come since the new ownership has been taken over. That's obviously like five or six years ago. Now it's been, but you know, like there's a lot of money that gets that maybe was made for the wrong reasons or reasons that aren't totally humane. But it's like for football's sake, if that money is even partially going back into an academy where they can build better training grounds, help invest in the future a lot more, make the whole area look better. It's like, you know, that's that's good. That's just some good that you can say came from everything. So that's what's nice about the new ownership is hopefully the new person that comes in is, you know, he's all about it. And they and they feel like they can really inject all their funds into the club. Cause that's kind of what we all like as premier league fans, right? Like Lester's owner is kind of the, the grade a person for that, where he's the guy who, who most he injects a lot of funds back in. I mean, Roman up until everything that happened was seen largely as just Chelsea's number one fan, someone who would spend any amount of his own money in, to, in order to ensure Chelsea's success. And, you know, part of that came to a fault, but it's like as football fans, isn't that the number one thing we want as owners? I mean, Connor, wouldn't it be nice if the owners just just splashed the cash for Salah and Mane and made sure these guys stayed the whole time? Like, isn't that all what everybody expects from our owners is just love for the club and like personal reinvestment? That, so that is a hundred percent what we want and would love to see. But with American owners, 
in the mix. I don't think that's typically how they approach it. And from the little bit I've heard, this was on, um, it was a sky report, but it is speculated. It's funny that you reference Liverpool. It is speculated that the new consortium is going to take much more of a quote unquote money ball approach where it's data, it's analytics and it's turnover as opposed to pure injection of funds. Um, So we will see. He's going to have to put, um, I guess, his his word on the line and see what happens. But it might kind of look like that for Chelsea where it's going to be stricter budgets. And two shows going to be. Tuchel's going to be going to the board asking yeah. for a specific like star player. They're going to be like, nope, his numbers aren't right. You got to sell these <laughs> three. You got you got to sell Kai, Timo, and Lukaku, and then you can buy a new striker. Yeah. <laughs> and you have to pay him half the wage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll I mean, see, like, though. He's going to sign a two-year contract. <laughs> it could be a big signing, though. We, I mean, Connor, would you not argue even in a season where you it could sign be. Diaz, Klopp is, was your best signing. Klopp was your best guy that you brought back. So sometimes and in you- that whole 1.75 billion, I wouldn't be surprised if they can filter a bit of that out. I mean, 60 million in that pot of money doesn't look like much. And I'm sure no Chelsea personnel would notice if it went missing if it meant they bring a, a star studded guy in. So definitely. Well, guys, looking ahead, we got a few intriguing midweek matches it took till literally the very end of the season but it seems like we'll finally be all caught up so <laughs> still have not played the games but tomorrow should help make up some of that ground uh looking at my handy dandy chalkboard city wolves that's going to be a big one yeah. Wolves. you never really know what type of wolves team shows up they've been city kryptonite past tottenham they've been city kryptonite the past couple seasons so don't get my be- hopes up man yeah, Connor. Connor's going to be watching that one with bated breath. Chelsea leads. That'll be good. But I mean, what what do you guys think about Thursday? You guys think you guys think my Spurs can pull it off, or you think they, they have to? They don't have a choice. I think it's going to end two two. Ah, uh, that's about it. that's like worse than losing, honestly, in a way, because then we're in the same position with a game left, and then I think we're we're I think Arsenal need a draw, and that's pretty much it in order to to seal fourth because then it'll be a points thing. We have better goal differential, but yeah, I think I if Arsenal win, if Arsenal win Thursday, they would seal top four. Nope. So, I mean, Spurs have to chase the game, and not to dig up the conversation from before, but this is kind of like how I think you see that whole style of play put in perspective into perspective because it's they now have to go from playing off the back foot to now maybe trying to completely transform how they play to take it to an arsenal side in hopes for three points. Um, I mean, there's no saying that the point was valuable to them earlier, but it's going to be interesting to see how they, they have the full and utmost confidence to do it. Just applying themselves and thinking critically about their positioning and everything is going to be, but I, I think arsenal shaky on leads, a 10 man leads, for yeah. 60 plus minutes like Spurs is in a good spot and if they take all three that's just gonna Arsenal's back to where they were previously in last season where it's just like they, they can't get it done when they need it most um so I don't know I would maybe take Spurs 2-1 Spurs 2-1 that's what I was gonna pick I think you're right I think we'll get a lot more uh quality counter-attack chances than we did against Liverpool 
Arsenal's defense, like the other 18 teams in the Prem, are is not really as organized and as good as as uh, as Arsenal's is, so, or as Spurs is, so or Liverpool rather. But yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Definitely, uh, definitely going to be a tough watch, but we'll see. What it, seems like it's the ninth thing now. Andrew usually takes it away in the ninth. He's our closing pitcher. So you oh wait, music. one less one Saturday. Oh, what? Saturday F- FA Cup semifinal. Oh, FA Cup final. Oh yeah. Right. That's a quickly go through predictions and we'll talk about the game when we we get to it. But I'm gonna go one one into PKs. Chelsea takes into PKs. But okay, but do you think uh, the goalie gets called in sky? No, no, no. He's not gonna do that bullshit <laughs> again. That far? No, no. It's it's no. They won't make the same mistake twice. I think Mandy will be in that for penalties. Yeah, Mandy. Mandy will stay in that. But yeah, like sorry, Kappa, but you get it right, and he's like, I get it. Chelsea, Chelsea, one one with Liverpool. Uh, they went on PKs. I say, I say, I say two one Liverpool. I was gonna say two nil Liverpool. Honestly, I don't. I think this is this is the game where Chelsea have their eggs in this basket, but I I just I simply think Liverpool now is going to be too pissed off, too angry. They seem pissed off today. I think this is two nothing all the way, Liverpool. I think Chelsea could win this one. You know, they've been playing really good. Connor's going to give a, yeah, 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 gonna give a ten minute analysis as to why he thinks Chelsea's going to win. <laughs> I yeah, I mean, I'm as you know, I'm going to be nervous as all hell and like this is what kind of off like is going to reflect on our season moving forward like if we kind of stumble in this fa cup final it puts so much pressure on the champions league final um i think liverpool i think liverpool will will take it one nil in extra time um but the thing that adds to my doubts and concern is Fabinho is going to be missing for this match more than likely. And yeah, what what happened to him? Today? He just went down. Like he went down. It's grabbed his hamstring. Um, luckily, he came off right away. Hendo replaced him. Uh, but it was only I think it was right at the midway mark, a little bit before halftime. Um, but I think it's like it's a muscular injury, and I don't think he caught it early enough where. It could be rehabbed in four days. So that's going to hurt. I mean, he's the best in the business at what he does. So at like three, as long as it's, as long as it's not rehabbed by May 27th. No, well, it needs to be. All you guys need May. is Jordan Henderson because when he's not in your squad, your squad is like they're so disorganized. He, he came on today and I mean, look, turn it around. Motor. You need yeah. your, uh, your screamer in chief out there. What are you going to do when you guys lose him? You guys are just going to lose every game? Hopefully we'll have Jude coming through the ranks. Yeah, oh, but he's not going to scream at you guys like 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 Henderson can. Verge can. Verge is a good yeller. I don't know when Henderson. See Verge yelling. I don't see all, he's, he's Verge. The only Verge only yells at Trent. Yeah, <laughs> only see, I've only I've only ever seen him yell at Trent. We got. I don't know. Henderson can stand on the pitch till he's like thirty-eight and just yell at people. Or he'll probably be like they're all assistant gonna be, coach. They're all going to be mic'd up, and they're going to be like they're going to have a microphone in their ear, just being yelled at by Jordan Henderson for ninety minutes. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, they're going to uh, jump off a bridge. 
What an honor that would be to be yelled at by that guy who passes <laughs> one ball a game. He tells me I suck. Top class. <laughs> Top drawer that guy. Yeah, you're right. Andrew? I'll take us away. Thank you for joining the Howlers Podcast. It's always great to have you here. Be sure to check out all of our content through our link tree, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Uh, our socials are there. New episode being up very soon. Talk soon. See you soon. Bye-bye.